The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Pierce introduce himself. Could you just tell us a little bit? about your background and what you do. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Thanks, uh, Haley, for all the effort that you put into making these programs possible. And it's an honor to be a guest uh, with you here today. Uh, yeah, so my course, uh, General Dentist, all the way through. Uh, enjoy Always have enjoyed being a student uh, at, at all phases uh, of learning, as well as just the process of learning, I guess. And so that led my general practice to become more of a surgical reconstructive practice um, so we, a typical day, we would you know, be doing full arch either surgery or sedation or dentistry, uh, prosthetic ends of things, uh, removal and fixed on teeth and implants and uh, with a very small team kind of really focused on that. And that's not right or wrong. This is sort of my uh, journey, if you will. Um, so after 38 years of doing that kind of dentistry in a couple of different states, uh, we sold that, that business in 2021 and then relocated to our um, residences in Florida and Montana. And then I, I've always wanted to, I've been involved in, in I wouldn't say actually coaching dentists, but in mastermind groups with some other dentists where we'd get together quarterly and spend a couple of days together with a facilitator in an organized manner to say, good, here's what's going well and here's, what, here's my questions and concerns. And how can you as a group of 15 to 25 dentists kind of weigh in and help me figure those things out. And then every quarter we come back and like, how did that work? What else can we do? So we all kind of shared our, our issues and our concerns and how we wanted to get better. And then, and, and then help each other uh, with information and thoughts from our backgrounds, if you will. And I really enjoyed that process, one. Uh, and two, uh, some folks you know, in that group were very kind to say, you know, David, you seem to have a knack of taking these complex issues and boiling them down into maybe more simple, easy, actionable steps that we can take home and do on Monday. And, and so there's some appreciation for that. So I thought, well, good, I've you know, had, had levels of success in my own business uh, on the business end, on the clinical end, yes, and then also on the business end. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that here today, but, uh, but also the idea of actually taking that information and helping other people with it in that group, I kind of felt like, well, that seemed to be successful. So now my next you know, journey in life is just to do that uh, in a very intentional way of helping uh, a, a select you know, few, if you will, dentists who want to really accelerate their business in a faster way to get to a, a place which might take them longer to go without somebody who's actually done it and has figured a lot of that stuff out and kind of want, to help, want to help them create their journey, not mine, but at the same point in time, get there much faster, much quicker, and get through the obstacles and go around them. So yeah, so that's uh, that's my very long elevator speech. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure over all that time, while you were learning from others and learning from your own mistakes, is there anything that sticks out that you're really glad you did early on or anything you really wish you had not have done so early on? Yeah, I think that I, that's a really great question because you'd hope you'd learn from your past, right? And so, uh, yeah, so I think that by the biggest thing that I, as I look back on it was that I made an assumption and a commitment to that assumption that if I gained clinical mastery, that my business would also 
become very successful. Uh, and I say very successful primarily from the standpoint of patients saying, you know, we want you, David Pierce, to do our dentistry, whatever that looks like, a little or a lot. Uh, and then that ultimately that equates into them writing a check and ultimately that can equate into the business becoming profitable and then money can go back into the business and back into my lifestyle and back into the team and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that was a long assumption, you know, after a couple of decades of, you know, getting fellowships and different types of programs and all that kind of stuff, uh, it didn't equate to business success. It just equated to frustration of, I have a lot of skills, but people aren't saying yes in, in that, whole, that whole process. So I think that that idea that clinical mastery is one of the pieces of the, of the puzzle of success, and it really kind of needs to be there, I think. But I th and I say, I think because I feel like if it's good for the dentist, young dentist to kind of look at and say, if, I, if I'm just a general dentist to all people, that's a big field to, to compete in in any industry. Um, you can do it and you'll be okay, but it's a tougher road as opposed to if you look and say, how can I become more of a niche type business and something that I as a dentist really have passion for and try to figure that out. So that's the clinical side, but then on the business side, to look at that and say, but how do I, just because I got these skills, does that mean that people are just going to come running to me and say, ooh, I want you. And I'm here, be here to suggest that that's, you know, that as much work has to go into that portion and eventually more work has to go into that portion as your clinical skills become easier, more work has to be really focused on how do I get, how do I develop a team, how do I develop a, a, a whole process of helping patients to basically just say yes. Yes to the dentistry, yes to you, and yes to now, not kick the can down the road. Um, so yeah, be that. Don't focus on clinical, but don't don't mislead yourself to say once I get that, once I do one more CE and I have one more skill, that's going to be the ticket. It's like part of the ticket, not the. Yeah, there's other components, especially depending on what you're thinking is success. If you're looking at like your practice being successful specifically. Sure. So you talked about those mastermind groups. Did you yourself ever have an individual coach or consultant that you worked with individually, or was it mostly through those mastermind groups? I would say, and even the mastermind groups came later in my career. So prior to that, I had pe people who said they I had one person in particular, one group in particular who said that we, we will coach you. Um, and I think that was fair. Uh, however, the people I was working with were never dentists. And no intention of being a dentist. So they're coaching me on business theories, which were good and they're applicable across the board. But on some of the day-to-day -day stuff, they didn't have, I don't know, for me, it was like it was much easier to talk to people who have walked the walk and they kind of understand the ins and outs of, of the, the extra industry of dentistry that we're in. Um, one, and then two, those people weren't there. Like it wasn't ever like, okay, I'm, I'm here to hold your feet to the fire, David. And I'm here for more than a month or two months or one weekend course or you know, every three or four months we get together and we study together for two or three days. So they have a true coach, like an athletic coach. Like and I had really good athletic coaches. It was like every day they're there like, no, you can be better, David. I'm going to make you better because you want to get better. I'm going to make you a better version of yourself. And you are, and they held you accountable to that in a very loving yet firm, like, good way. So that to me, I didn't have, but if, Somebody certainly coming out of school could have that. And, and I guess I'd throw this in. Like, I think, I think I've met a lot of dentists who have really fortunate who have um, family members who are in dentistry. And that's a, an awesome opportunity for coaching when we have that there. 
And I would never take that away from anybody in any way, shape, or form. Awesome. And then also, too, is to look at that and just make sure that what they're doing is what you want to do. Like, what level of success are they having in their mind? And is that, the, as, you, as you perfectly said, like, like what does success look like? Because it be different. It should be different things for different people. Um, and then just make sure that their success is what you're looking for. Because if they're going to be your guide, then they're going to take you up the mountain that, that they're used to hiking on. And that may not be the one you want to be on. So, yeah. Did you find most of the mentors and colleagues that you worked closely with throughout your career through like organized dentistry, through going to CE, through study clubs? Like how did you connect with those people? Yeah, I would, no question it came through CE and I just probably should have listened to them sooner, you know, or asked better questions. So the, the folks that were on my CE journey, if I'd asked them, so like how, well, you know, asked them, so like who have you seen on the non-clinical side that's giving you help? Who are those, who are those people? And I didn't, wasn't smart enough to ask those, that question of people. Um, and then too, I think that, and I, I think, you know, money is sort of a funny thing for folks. Um, like, you know, from the standpoint of, so like, is your practice successful? Oh yeah. So can we put some numbers like to that? Like, and are, are they real numbers? And I say numbers, you know, the numbers can be like, so how many days a year do you work? Well, I have young kids. And I want to spend a lot of time with my kids and I know dentists that are quite successful and, you know, they work the equivalent of three months a year. They spread it out. And other people might say like, you can't possibly do that and be successful. And they're like, yeah, I can because I can afford all my bills and I'm with my kids all the time. And that's my success. Perfect. And then there's other folks that are in different position or whatever. And they look at it and say, like, no, that's not, you know, I want more revenue or more or whatever that might happen to be. Um, so I think that, yeah, I, I definitely met them through courses and I should ask more about the business side of those people and then try to find folks that I could be transparent with about my numbers and my goals and that they would respect those because they're mine, not theirs. And then you'll find folks that are on that similar type of a journey. Like, yeah, sure. And then I'm not sure if any of the dentists that you work with directly are kind of the new grad area or if they're more um, experienced in their practice. But in terms of financial planning and trying to have your career support your financial goals, what would be kind of your initial advice for new grads? Because I feel like a lot of people feel really burdened by their debt, but they have all these clinical aspirations and business aspirations. What would you say? Well, I, 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 and you can talk about that a long time, right? And so, and really it is an individual conversation. So yeah, for instance, like one of my clients, you know, is uh, like three years out of school, did a residency, a couple of years associates, physicians, and then wanted to have her own practice and ended up uh, starting a scratch practice uh, and was doing, you know, very well, you know, on track for 800 to 1.0 first year. And so is, is that possible? Yes. So, but to your question, I think the biggest advice, uh, and as a matter of fact, you know, this, is, this isn't about me or anything else, but like I, I, I found I enjoyed writing. So I wrote two books earlier this year. And the second book is what exactly, I think, goes to your question, which is, is there's good debt and bad debt. You know, in your school debt, it's too bad you have it, but it's a great investment in yourself. Like dentistry is an awesome profession. I can't imagine any profession and we won't have time to show the problem. I can't think of any profession that's better for anybody. And I'll be sexist because I think that society puts lots of pressure on women. 
like you, which is where you have to be an amazing, you know, breadwinner. You have to be an amazing mom. You have to be amazing. All, all these things that it's expected that the woman's going to be able to do, have to do, for no good reason. It's just our society pressure. So for, for, for instance, for this young woman, uh, Brian, you know, she has two kids, you know, they're under the age of five, four, and she's the breadwinner, stay-at-home dad. She's fortunate for that. And and, and so she, and I looked at it and said, yeah, you can work, you know, two and a half, three days a week, and you can be at the top of your game and do awesome stuff and spend the rest of your time with your kids in the family, if you want to. And you can't do that as a CPA, you know, come March or April, not going to happen. As an attorney, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to go to court this week. But yeah, you are. Because, you know, you just can't do it. As a physician, too bad, you can't do it. I think dentistry is just amazing. It's just awesome that way um, to help us out. But the good debt, bad debt is really like, screw the good debt. If you're going to invest in a practice, that's really good debt. Be really careful about that. Make sure the practice is definitely profitable to support that. But try to avoid, make sure you avoid the pressure that society puts on pressure on women. The pressure is on young professionals that, well, you deserve the nice car. You deserve to live in this neighborhood. You deserve those clothes. You deserve these trips. You deserve the big rock. You deserve, you deserve. And that's, it's bad enough if, if you don't have that yourself, society will kind of put that on you. Why are you driving that thing? Well, why are you living over there? You're renting? Like, why are you renting it? Not, not owning your own house. I mean, all that stuff that, so I would just encourage any new grad, like you've been used to, you've been used to living in, in, in like poverty, my word. Like, you know, as a student, unless you're one of those privileged few, um, you're, you've been used to living with not much. Well, okay, it's okay to be like that a little while longer. I mean, gradually increase your lifestyle, but pour the money and the profit into, your, into you know, the things that are going to create wealth for you, create that financial freedom, if you will, or just that lesser burden you see your debt going down as versus, well, I'm just going to own a, a Beamer or something rather just for a few years just so it feels good. Like the math on how much money you lose when you do that is just, oh, it's just chilling. It's a killer. Um, so I think, you know, the first thing I would just say is like, you know, if you decide I want to own my business like this one, Go for it. You know, maybe work with somebody who has had enough knowledge to look at it and say, you know, if this this particular uh, gal, you know, she was looking to say, like, I got a lease space. It's all great. It's wonderful. And she's going to put in five or six rooms and all this kind of stuff. And we just kind of looked at it and said, you know, that's awesome, but it might be too soon for that. You might find such a financial, like, just staring at you that it might be hard to feel good about life for a while. And that might be too much pressure. And so she, you know, we found a, a much smaller lease space. Perfect for us. It was working out great. The other space might work better for somebody else, different personalities. But other than that, you know, just, just look at that. Just don't, just avoid that. You know, I call it fancy, like that fancy stuff. I just want fancy this, fancy that, fancy this, fancy that. Just avoid that for a little bit. Put that off. Don't compare yourself to your friends that got out of school four or five years before you did. They don't have your, your dentistry debt. They're in a totally different place. Don't compare yourself to any other people. Just run your own course. You're used to being, my word, poor. You know, like you're doing fine, you're eating fine. If you're eating mac and cheese and whatever you're having, you know, ramen noodles, well, good. That's okay for a little while longer. You're okay. Like, keep doing that. Sorry if it's all long-winded on that, but that's the thing I just see sink. It just sinks so many people, not just them, but so many people in our society. Yeah, I know. It's, so, it's tempting because you see this uh, big yeah. paycheck come in that you've never had. And you're like, oh, maybe I can get that thing I always wanted, but. Like you said, just hold off a little bit longer. Like that money you save month to month without the big car payment can be huge later. You're so right. That is exactly right. 
It's advice to myself, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's it's tempting. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. Especially society, putting that pressure on you. I mean, it's there. There's no question. Society, your colleagues, all the people you went to college with, all your buddies, even some of your dental buddies, you know, you look and say, well, well, how come she can do that? Say, well, you know, if you could pan forward 20, 30 years and look at the things that, that she or he maybe can't do in their life, but you can because you didn't follow their footsteps. You don't, you don't have that ability to look forward and see where they're going to be. But the math, math doesn't lie. You start doing the math and it's like, holy cow, you can create a house of cards really easily. It doesn't take much for it to fall down. It takes so much to keep it up. And obviously, a lot of people, like I said, coming out of school, coming from basically no money in the bank, pretty much. And classic advice is, okay, savings, build up emergency fund first. But after that, what do you recommend people are doing for saving for retirement or I guess, and would you say, how can they know when they're maybe ready to start putting in a few of those more like extra expenses into life, like buying a house or getting the nicer car? Like what thresholds should they be looking for of saving versus spending? Yeah, sure. Great question. Uh, Well, so I would just say purely from an invest. So if you're talking about like saving money to be invested, so like we're going to invest it. So that doesn't necessarily mean stock market or things like that. Investing just means really you're not spending. Right? It's something that's or should, something that's going to grow in value. So for sure, the biggest, best investment that any dentist, you know, dental student, any anybody thinking about dental school, best investment, go to dental school. Anybody in dental school, it's like, great, graduate, and then make, you know, somehow get into a place, either associateship or buy a place or whatever that looks like. Where, where you can start earning revenue because that investment of education is now paying you off. And then from there, you know, investments in, again, the very best investment initially for me is in you. Like if you come out like I did and I thought, oh, I know a lot. And then I, had, I was fortunate to work in the same building, not with, but the same building with three or three other general dentists who basically were on, had done the same path that I was going to do, but were way ahead of me, they're 15 years older. And I saw it and I was like, like, why do you do that? How can we do that? Like a quadrant at a time, an arch at a time. Like what, how, like all that stuff I thought, I know everything about dentistry coming out of dental school and, and a GPR. Like, and then I was like, no, you know some, but you don't. And, and the more, of course, the more questions I had, the more unanswered uh, questions I had in front of me. You know, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know much at all. So keep pursuing a look at things strategically and say, so if I can, you know, if I'm doing this, how can I, how can I, what can, what can I add to my arsenal on the clinical side? Again, you know, what can I add to my arsenal? How can I become a better clinical dentist so I can offer more to my patients? One, I become a better diagnostician because if you had the, because it's amazing how when you have the ability to do something, all of a sudden you start seeing it. When you don't have the ability to do it, sometimes it just doesn't seem quite as urgent. You know, you don't, you don't do ortho at all. You know, ortho. And it's amazing how when you all of a sudden you're like, oh, we do it for ortho. You look at something and say, hmm, I never would have touched that in the past. But now it's like, I can see the reason why that should be treated legitimately. Why it should be treated. Just know more about it. To become a better server of your patients that way. Of course, it creates more patients saying yes to more things. The same number of people saying yes to more things, which means more revenue for your business. So the number one investment would be you. Just invest in you, your facility, your team, your equipment, whatever it takes. You know, just look, make smart, good investments of that. From a house standpoint, you know, quite honestly, you know, I would say, Helly, 
that never look at a house like an investment. It isn't. Just don't kid yourself. I did for years. Like, that is a great investment. Oh, really? Well, go sell it tomorrow. Like, well, no, can't do that. Well, you can sell your stocks tomorrow. You can sell the piece of real estate that you don't own tomorrow. Why can't you look at that to this someplace? Right. It's not an investment. And if it was an investment, you'd have to look and say, well, good, I buy, you know, $100,000 worth of stock. So do I have to put a new roof on it next year? No. Do I have to put any money into it all? No. It either grows or it goes down in value, but I don't have to keep putting money into it. But a house, I'm constantly pouring money into it. And so, so I'm not saying don't get a house, but I would say if you look and say, I just need to get a house. I have to have my own place. Awesome. I totally feel that way. Totally in that way. Then just get something that's very reasonable, very modest. It's that same thing. Don't start off with the big fancy thing that's just going to impress all your neighbors, you think, and you really can't afford that because you, you're you know, stealing money from other things. So I would say first investment sure is yourself and your business, and yourself and education and skills, your business, your team, uh, and, and the equipment, the whole facility, so you can offer more to your patients. Second thing would be, as from an investment standpoint, would be certainly start. Again, get, you said it beautifully, get used to living poor. So as you start earning more money, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I'm, I don't know what it costs. So I'll just pick another. You know, before it cost, I, as a dental student, it cost me $40,000 a year to live, $50,000, whatever it is. Well, when your income goes to 70, and you, you could have lived at 50, we have to pay tax on the 70, take that, but the rest of it you could just put into an IRA. Simple, easy. And, and make it automatic. Like every single week, money just leaves your business and goes into your IRA. You don't get a chance to write a check for it. It just goes there. Because you have to write a check. Sometimes you look and say, oh, but geez, I could go on that trip to wherever. And that's a, that's a couple grand. You know, I think I'll do that. And then I'll do the IRA next month. Yeah, right. And that doesn't happen. So invest in yourself. Invest in a, an automatic withdrawal into an, say like an IRA. That kind of one, anything like that, anything that's pension oriented where you don't have to pay tax on it right now, or Roth is a great one. You know, if your tax bracket's really low, which it probably is, good, put in a Roth, pay a little bit of tax down. You never pay tax down ever again in the future. And then lastly, the house, as that popped up, do very modest. And then after that, like you mentioned, a car, like a car is like has to be the, the worst possible thing you could ever spend money. It's just terrible. And of course, we spend money on that. So, my advice if you have to buy it, you know, a car, we buy one that's two or three years old, buy one that has 30 or 40,000 miles on it that's been kept in very good shape. Most of the depreciation is gone initially when the first when the family first drives it, so you're not paying for that. So you're getting a, a much better value for a car. And, and then you can keep looking and say, well, I could maybe I can buy a, a used, really nice car for this for almost the same amount as I bought, I would buy a brand new, but not as nice car. So if you have to have that luxury, at least get it in a depreciated way and buy it used. And certainly isn't right or wrong. I like nice things. My wife likes nice things, even more so than I do, for sure, in many different ways. Um, and yet between the two of us, you know, we've been married for 36 years and we've been alive for, you know, 64, 65, I've bought one new car in my life. So, you know, practice what I preach and, and, and all the cars are nice. Like if you looked at my car now, you said, oh, it's a nice car. Looks nice. It's, not, it's clean. So, yeah. But it's not brand new, for sure. Yeah, that's all great advice. And I think a good way for people to look at stepping stones as they're progressing from, I guess, different income levels and debt sure. ratios, hopefully going down a little bit. Um, yeah. So kind of following on the topic of advice for people just finishing up dental school. So if someone 
is just finishing up dental school looking to get their first associate position, what do you recommend they look for in an office to see if it's going to have room for clinical growth, anything with the team, like any red flags they should be looking for? Yeah, well, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's uh, it, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you a perspective, probably more so from the from the owner of the kind of business standpoint, and then the person trying to do it, because I never did that. Right out of, out of residency program, I bought a practice and just off I went. Um, and it wasn't expensive, some big practice, and it was very few patients and so forth. So it wasn't like I just was coming from a very blessed area of financial position. You know, I no silver spoon in my mouth. I worked my way wherever I went. Um, so, but it would be that it, that from my standpoint, it is so hard in our interviewing process. I mean, it's if you look at the interviewing process for a team member, associate dentist, which I had a couple near the end of my of my career, is the same. It was really pretty arduous. Like we would spend time with the person and do personality profiles. And, and they would shadow us and we'd talk to this and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, it's like, it was amazing how often it's like, wow, how did we, how did this person slip through? Like, they just don't fit here at all. It's just so hard, I think, to know. So certainly anything you can do, like, you know, shadow the place, talk to them. If you, you know, for me, certainly as I'm hiring somebody, if I see somebody who's been in, in a lot of jobs for a short period of time, then in my mind, it's like, well, they're, they're not sure what they're looking for. Because there couldn't be that many places that were that bad that they had to get out that quickly. And so it might be the same thing there. You know, if you look and said, oh, this, this person's had two associates, three associates, five, eight, ten. I went to a place once, the guy had already had 14 associates. And they couldn't all be bad. He said, yeah, I want to find the right one. It's like, well, maybe it's not them. Maybe it was more him. So I think that some that, that it can be hard to find that associate position if that's what you're looking for. As far as buying, you know, as far as buying a place, um, I think that's a great move. There's no question the sooner that the, the unknown, I think that people, you can't, you, you can appreciate it because of the relationships that you've had with other people. So if you looked at it and said, you know, like, so you're going to date somebody and you're brand new. So, so does that person that you're first dating you know, a month into the dating, do they truly trust you as much as they would if you've been together for four years? And I think everybody would say, no, there's a, there's a, there's a, they might say that I trust you after a month, but the level of that trust and the things that they would do for you is very different after four years than it is a month. So the same thing when you buy a practice, you know, the patients are there. And the ones when they meet you, and, and whether you're young or not, it, I can tell you it doesn't really matter because you know, I bought a practice back in one state, 10 years later, moved to another state, three years later, moved into a practice. So I was 13, 14, 15 years after dental school. And so I wasn't this necessarily young looking kid coming out. And yet you can just tell those patients like, well, you're going to have to earn our trust. So the sooner you buy that practice, the sooner in that practice, then it's, then two, three, four years from now, when they start saying, now I trust you to do more, and you're building a skill set seven, eight, nine, 10 years, now I really trust you a lot. You're just getting to that point sooner as versus if you go rent your time out, my work, as an associate in some place where there's no potential for partnership, there's no potential for ownership, you're just trading hours for dollars. And that's not bad. It's just that, that I think that that one piece that looked and said, so how come I started as an, as an associate and I'm getting paid doesn't matter, you know, two hundred thousand dollars a year. And my buddy goes out and he buys a practice and he's only making a hundred thousand dollars a year. How come he's making way more money than I am at six, seven, eight, ten years than I am here as the associate? Because he invested 
you know, thing called relationship trust that it put away. And that's starting to put all kinds of dividends, rewards, and business ownership, but you're not being that as important. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying there. And that was kind of something else I wanted to talk to you a little bit about too, what you see amongst people that you work with and just people you've interacted with. Do you personally think that ownership is the best way to get to someone's financial goals? Or do you think sticking it out if they're making a good income as an associate is still a good option? Well, it, uh, yeah, you know, no way there's one, one size fits all. Like, you know, because I, I would look and say, so from the owner of a dental business, like, do I need employees? Do that can't do it on my own. Like, they're incredibly valuable to my business. And then from each one of those employees, do they, you know, still the question, but do they need an employer to earn money? It's like, yeah, if you're not going to go out and start your own business, you got to work for some. But, you know, it's, it's, you're either on one side of the coin or on the other. And so for, for somebody to say, like, do I become, you know, an associate at some point to become an employee. I mean, associate's a nice word, but you're an employee of that group, or do I become the owner of the group? You know, I think it all has to be fit. And so, like, what's your course? Like, I, like, you know, I can, I, I can appreciate where somebody. Well, I'll just, I'll just, I don't want to take up too much time. I met when I when I was first out of school. I talked to dentists, and they would say, like, so what do you like? What do you do this weekend? What do you tonight? Well, I got two young kids. I'm going to be, co- you know, they're in the bumblebee soccer thing. So I coach them. And then the weekends we're going to go here, and and it was consistent that so these are the guys that would be like 90, 90 years old now they're dead most of them, you know that they would be saying like it's really great what you're doing like you're spending so much time with your family like when I nine year old hundred year old dentist now when I was your age three four nights a week I'd be out with my other dentist friends like I didn't go home and see my kids I didn't help with homework I wasn't at the dinner table that like us professionals we were expected after work you brought your dental buddies we talked by dentistry we had a, cup, a drink or a dinner together. We did that all the time. That was what was expected. And then for me, it's like, well, that changed a little bit. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. And then now I look at this generation, and then they look and say, I don't want to work as hard as you did, Dave. I just don't want to do that. I just don't. And I would say, perfect. You know, that's good. And if you can figure out a way to have what other people are having without by going down a different course, good for you. Or you may look at and say, like, you know, I'm going to trade. I'm going to trade off there. Like, what's where are my goals? Where are my values? Where do I want my life to be? And if it's not around doing the things of business ownership that aren't have nothing to do with dentistry, has to do with running the business, which takes some time and energy, mental energy and physical energy, then dentists are always going to need employee dentists to help them out. The downside of being the employee dentist is you don't control the ship at all. You, you really don't. And even if you are, I mean, I've had some just amazing, awesome employees, uh, you know, clinicians uh, who not, not well, even dentists, but in my whole career of, you know, like hygienists and assistants who are just, just incredibly bright. They could do anything they want to, dentistry or anything they want to. They just chose that career path. Um, but, at, but at any point in time, they kind of would know, like, you know, if, if like, I have no security, like if David gets in a car accident tomorrow or something happens to him, it's like, I'm going to have to go find another job. Like it's just gone like that. Um, and so, you know, so some of the security parts of business ownership for sure aren't there as an employee. You are like the whims and or like I'm, I employee know I could run this business better. Like we keep talking to the owner, like if we did this, this, this business-wise, we could 
create more revenue, create more profit, create more goodness for our patients. And the owner might be like, yeah, you know, just don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do it at all. So there's, you know, it's it's a great question. You know, you have Elliot's often question. I think it involves much more so, you know, like, well, should I get married or not? Great question. You know, one isn't right for should I have kids or not? Great question. How many kids should I have? Great question. Different path for different folks. Uh, but I think within that, though, you definitely could look at it, say, if you get really clear on it, so like, what is what does you want out of life? Not necessarily for your whole life, but generally speaking, what do you want out of life? Then you can start helping with it. This, that's really important to you. These are the things that need to line up with that. And these are things that definitely don't line up with that. Yeah, it's certainly not black and white. It's more of a discussion than a, this is the answer to this question. <laughs> it's a great discussion. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And one I'm sure that, you know, you'd hope that every single pre-dental and dental uh, and any point is you know, more and more asking themselves, like, what, do I, what do I want out of this thing called life? Yeah, and it's good to do that forward thinking as you're pre-dent and as you're in dental school, but then you can think so much and you can get out and work a day and say, all right, I'm done working for someone else. Like I know that I want to be an owner or you can be working for someone else and say, I see what this owner is going through. I never want to do that. So as much as you think ahead, you won't really know till you get out and start experiencing it. I feel like. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because one particular, again, happens to be a female, but it easily could have been a male. I used to teach the residents, the treatment planning at the hospital residency program for like the past 15 years in the town where my practice was. And so yeah, it was fun. It was fun to work with them. And there's like, remember one woman in particular, she, she I don't know, I'll say six months after she graduated. And we didn't have any particular relationship uh, any more than any other one uh, from the standpoint of like training or mentoring or anything like that. Um, but she she was crying. She was like, oh, man, what's going on? Like, I couldn't, I, and, and, and she told me that she was, you know, which many had said, yeah, I'm going to be an associate at this dentist. And I didn't know the dentist that well, but I, I knew that, that they'd owned several practices and so forth. And they were likely to accept, you know, no wrong, no wrong here. I'll accept lots of insurance and maybe Medicaid and like that. And so she said, oh, I'm just like miserable. Like I want to do this for her. And, and so, oh, okay, so like, what's, why are you crying? So I got fired. Yeah, yes, I got fired too. And I said, oh, so you're upset, right? I can tell. Said, yeah. And so, and I said, you know, I'll tell you something. He said, well, that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. He's like, huh? Said, that's the best thing that happened to you. Like you, you're destined for great things. You do wonderful stuff. And he just helped you get the heck out of there sooner than you could help yourself to get out of it. Like you're going to do great stuff. And then, you know, she, we touched base uh, actually just recently too, which is many years later, but, but even like, you know, six or nine months later, she said, thank you so much. I've gone to a totally different place. This is so much better. You're absolutely right. And, and, and it never worked out like that. It was actually a blessing, but it certainly was. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Like sometimes you think this is exactly right. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, bad decision. So make a new decision. On you go, right? You, you took your best shot at it. Doesn't mean you're wrong. You took your best shot. So now you have new information. Now you can make a different decision. Good to do that. Yeah, I love all the advice you've given today and experience you shared. I really appreciate it. Um, I would love to know if anyone listening has like follow-up questions for you or anything. Is there a good way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, sure. I'm always happy to talk with folks. Uh, yeah, so, so probably numerous ways. I'm easy to find. But website is near my company, a coaching country company, is Ultimate Success in Dentistry. 
And the website is ultimatesuccess.dentist. So no com, just ultimatesuccess.dentist. Uh, and then there's another one which is easier to remember, which is 4m40.com. Anyway, you write it or spell it, whatever, it'll come up, it shoots it to the same place. So that's easy. And on there, it's very easy, easy ways to, you know, like my cell phone number is available and all kinds of stuff is available. I'm very, very easy to reach. Uh, LinkedIn and all the other different Facebook posts and social stuff. I'm easy to find there as well. But the, the website's simple. There's a lot of stuff there. There's some freebies there as well. Um, and more freebies over time as I create more and more books and stuff like that and courses. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, happy to share with anybody for sure. Anything else Thank I can do is always available. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate all the effort you're doing. It's really, it's really remarkable to see with all the stuff you got going on to you know, tackle one more thing and put one more plate up in there and keep them spinning. That's a <laughs> testament Thank to you. you. Good for you. Well done. Thank you.